Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. We had uh, this reality hit me when Jaron got married, my uh, our oldest son. Jaron got married and... Uh, The next day, I preached on that Sunday. I told my wife that Saturday night, I said, I did not prepare for the emotional uh, drain that this would be in uh, having the wedding. And so when Jalen was getting married, I said, I'm not preaching Sunday after her wedding. And uh, I uh, I called not only a friend of mine, but a friend of this house, and uh, he's been a friend of our family. And uh, Mike Holt has been with us. He was with us in February, had a great time for a week of refresh and uh, had a great opportunity just to bring him in. And so today, uh, he's here uh, today to just share in the Word and continue. Uh, just a, a great heart. I love his passion, love his heart for God, and I believe just uh, leading uh, a work that's taking place in Athens, Georgia, pastoring a church called Nathan's, Nathan's Nation's Church. I don't know if you even having a Nathan in there. It's wedding. It's wedding fatigue. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, what's your name again? Mike. This guy right here is going to come and preach, so uh, let's, uh, and would you welcome our friend Mike Holt as he comes to share the word today. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Good morning. So great to be back with you. Great to be at the wedding yesterday with Jalen and Eli. So proud of them. And I tell you, I love your church, love your pastor and his wife, and uh, honored to be back. Last time I was here, it was February, and uh, right after I left, the pandemic broke out across our nation. So uh, that says a whole lot about my ministry, doesn't it? Uh, but it's it's good to be back. I know it's different. I know that the season that we're in is a little bit different, but God is still the same, amen? And we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to mention to you, uh, I, I, I scheduled them to be here. Uh, I did just release a second book called Inside Out. It's a discipleship book for believers to grow in their faith. Uh, Let me tell you where it came from. When I first became a pastor, I did a class for new believers, anybody that had just come to the faith and wanting to be discipled, and all of a sudden, the room filled up with people that had been in church for years and years, and there was a couple of reasons for that. Number one, um, they looked at me and said, we've never been discipled personally, either one-on-one or in a small group setting where it was a very intentional process of spiritual formation, and so the class filled up not just with new believers, but with seasoned believers as well. Secondly, I gave the opportunity to ask questions about the faith, any questions that you might have about Christianity. And I'm telling you, I received over 200 note cards of questions of people that they just wanted answered about the Christian faith. And so then I attempted to put a class together to answer all 200 questions. And out of that came a book called Inside Out. And it's the opportunity to walk through four different spiritual disciplines of the Christian faith, connecting with God, offering him everything, releasing your ministry, engaging in outreach and missions. And so it's literally a spiritual transformation process, not only for you, but for those in your life that need to grow in their faith. How many of you would agree in this day and time that we need to grow like we never have grown before, that we need to be people of the word? And guess what? We need to teach our people how to spiritually mentor other people. 
that the day and time of just attending church, listen to me, it's not going to be enough. We need to know how to raise people up in the faith. And so that's what the book is all about. However, all hundred of them are somewhere between here and Georgia. <laughs> and so Pastor Jason uh, will probably get the shipment in tomorrow, and, uh, and then they'll be available to you. But I did want you to be aware of those. Uh, that'll be available to you. Uh, Luke is where we're at this morning. I know you're in a series called Culture Shock. I realize that typically I uh, have my evangelist hat on, so to speak, and I have kind of half my evangelist hat on and half my pastor hat on because at my church called Nations Church in Athens, we are finishing up a series called It's Not Over Yet. It's Not Over Yet. Let me tell you where the sermon series came from, and that is, I was, uh, was about two and a half weeks ago. There's a real psychological phenomenon for anybody experiencing a pandemic called crisis fatigue. How many of you at some point this year have looked at 2020 and said, I'm tired of you? It's called crisis fatigue. And to be honest with you, every leader has experienced it. And about two and a half weeks ago, it was a Friday night, and all I wanted to do was watch the Atlanta Braves. And so it was finally spring training, and I was, had a little bit of crisis fatigue, and I was sitting down in my chair in my living room. How many of you have a designated spot in your living room? Come on, you men. It, that is my chair. And I was about to sit down in my chair. And I whispered a prayer to God, and I said, God, I need something to encourage me tonight. I need you to speak something to my spirit that is just going to kind of lighten 2020 for me just a little bit. And so I am preparing my spirit to hear something very encouraging from God, and instead I heard the word, it's not over yet. That is not what I was wanting to hear. I was wanting the angel Gabriel to come and sit down and watch the Braves game with me. But instead, what I heard was, it's not over yet. And so listen, it'll get encouraging in about two minutes, but let me just go ahead and give you a word of warning that I do believe is from God for the church, and that is this, it's not over yet. I realize it's already been a heavy year. I understand it's already been a difficult year, but I happen to believe that we're living in the last days, and the last days are not over yet. I don't say this to brag or to boast. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but last October, I stood on the platform in my church and said, church, I really believe that something significant is gonna strike us in the year 2020, and we need to be ready and prepared let me just go ahead and tell you what it is. Listen, that the Spirit of God still speaks to His church. Somebody say amen. That the Spirit of God is trying to give the church a heads up in the season and the time in which we're living so that we do not get caught off guard and that our faith is protected in the season and time in which we're in. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 24 that as we approach the day called the Lord's Day or the second coming of Christ, that it would be as though a woman is having labor pains. And I stood up before my church and I said, there is another contraction that is about to happen. And I'm going to say to you this morning that the contractions of the last days are getting closer and closer. And we must be ready and we must be prepared and our faith must be preserved in this day and time. And so we come to Luke chapter 8, and Jesus sums up 
18, Luke chapter 18, he sums up the last days with this phrase. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so listen to me. It's not over yet. What is the it, the last days? Let me tell you what happens in the last days. Three things essentially. Number one, Jesus promises us trouble, terrible times, and the erosion of truth. He says in John chapter 16, verse 33, you will have trouble. He tells us in the book of 2 Timothy, but mark this, in the last days, there will be terrible times. And then he also says, listen, that in the last days, that there will be an erosion of truth, that there will be people who forsake sound doctrine in order to go follow what their itching ears want to hear, and it will culminate in people leaving the faith to follow teachings that literally are birthed by demons themselves. And in the midst of it all, just to continue to encourage you this morning, Jesus says, because of the increase of wickedness, The love of most will grow cold. It's not over yet. So I'm sitting down, ready to watch my Braves play, and I had this phrase, it's not over yet. And right on the heels of that phrase came another word from God that is encouraging. Are you ready? Here it is. It's not over yet. It's not over yet, but listen to me, church. It's not over yet. What am I talking about? The kingdom of God is not over yet. The word of God is not over yet. Jesus said, heaven and earth will fade away, but my words will remain forever. The word of God is not over yet. I've got news for you. The power of prayer is not over yet. How many of you still believe in a God who answers prayer? It's not over over yet. I've got good news for you. I know it's different. I know we've got more people watching online than we've ever had before. Church is different, but can I remind you that we are the bride of Christ and that Jesus is the head of the church and the church of Jesus Christ is not over yet. That the gates of hell will not prevail against the church regardless of the day and time in which we're living. Can I remind you that the move of the Holy Spirit is not over yet. That we need more of God and not less of God, that God desires to pour out his spirit upon a church that is hungry. The move of God is not over yet. Here's another one. The promises of God are not over yet. Can I remind you that the pandemic does not cancel out the promises of God over your life? That they are still, yes and amen, in Christ Jesus. And every good work that God began in your life, he is faithful to finish it. It's not over yet. The Great Commission is not over yet. If there is ever a time that we need to be a church of hope, it is now. A church of light, it is now. A church of victory, it is now. That we would have the joy of the Lord, that in the midst of the last days, that the eyes of the community would be turned toward the local church where there is still joy, there is still light, there is still hope, there is still victory because we know who we belong to. It's not over yet. So it's not over yet. But guess what? It's not over yet. So what do we do in the midst of it not being over yet? 
here are some things. I'm going to tell you, this is kind of two sermons in one. One leads to another. I need you to follow me this morning because there's four things that we have to do in order to set up what really it's all about, and I'm going to get to it in just a moment, but here's the first one. We must keep watch. Matthew 24, 42, Jesus says, therefore, keep watch. Nobody knows the hour. How many of you still believe in the return of Jesus? And Jesus said, nobody knows the hour. I still believe in a trumpet call, don't you? I still believe that, listen, there will be the call of God and that those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ will disappear and be with him forever. It's called the rapture. We don't preach on it very much anymore, but I'm telling you, our hope must be alive in this season. And Jesus says, therefore, keep watch. That word watch literally in the Greek means that you would keep yourself as a constant vigil before the Lord, that your life itself would be a vigil. Jesus said, listen, Paul said this, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can we just remind ourselves this morning that we are the house of God? And Jesus says, keep your spiritual house as a constant vigil before the Lord. That same word vigil is where we get the word vigilant from. In other words, that we are keeping our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? That we're keeping our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit, positioned and postured before the Lord with our eyes upon him. It has to do with your look, but it also has to do with your lean. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and what? Lean, not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. To be in a constant vigil before the Lord means, God, my look is upon you. The early church fathers called it the gaze of the soul. But not only that, but my inner lean is upon the Lord. I trust the Lord. My eyes are upon him, and I'm vigilant about keeping watch in this season of my life. What else must we do? We have to cling to the word. Can I just remind you of the truth of God's word? Can I just remind you that it is inspired All scripture is God-breathed. Can I just remind you that it is inerrant and without error? Can I just remind you that it is infallible, meaning that it is absolutely trustworthy? Can we just as a church reaffirm the fact that this book is God's word breathed to us and it is the authority of our life and it is the sure foundation of which we must build our life upon? Jesus said it this way. That we are called, listen, to build our spiritual house upon the word. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation upon the rock. I just want to remind us all that God's word is trustworthy and that we can build our life upon it. Let the streams rise, we will not fall. Let the winds blow, we will not fall. Why? Because our life is upon not just the good book, but the God-breathed word to our life. What else must we do? 
We must live a life of worship. Listen, Romans chapter 12, it says it this way, is that therefore in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. What's it all about? Listen, that in light of all that Jesus has done for us, the only reasonable response is to say, Jesus, you gave it all for me, and so I'm giving it all for you. I'm going to tell you, listen, there is a season that is coming where, where it will be revealed who our Lord is. That we must live a life of worship. And then also that we rekindle our witness. Philemon 1.6 says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. You know what Philemon is saying? Listen, the more I give Jesus away, the more I realize how much of Jesus I have. And the more I continue to share the hope of Jesus Christ, the more I realize just how hopeful I can be. And the more I declare about the freedom that Jesus came and and purchased for us at Calvary, the more I realize just how free that I am. There's got to be a rekindling of us giving Jesus away. For when we give Jesus away, we realize how much of him we have. So why must we keep watch? Why must we live a life of worship? Why must we cling to the word? How come we must rekindle our witness? Because Jesus says whenever he comes back, will he find faith that is on the earth? Now listen to me. That word faith is pistis in the Greek. And here's what it means. The divine persuasion of God. Some of you, you're either sleeping or you're really thinking deeply upon that or a little bit of both. Let me say that again. That word faith means the divine persuasion of God. What it does not mean is that you and I somehow manufacture faith all on our own. It means that as we cling to the word, as we live a life of worship, as we keep watch, as we witness, as we keep ourselves surrendered before God, that the spirit of God is able to deposit within us a divine persuasion concerning God's faithfulness. Now, how many of you are grateful that this thing called faith is not generated by you and me? It's cultivated as we surrender to God through the Holy Spirit. So whenever Jesus says, whenever I come, will I find faith on the earth? You know what he is saying? Will I find hearts that are fully surrendered to me so that the Spirit of God can begin to deposit a divine persuasion in? We need to be divinely convinced about the goodness and faithfulness of God that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ at work within us, listen, divinely persuades us that God is indeed faithful. You want to see it? Romans chapter 4 talks about this divine persuasion, talks about the result of living your life and those four things that I just mentioned to you just a moment ago. Romans chapter 4 says, against all hope, this is Abraham This is the father of faith. This is where the genesis of this thing called faith derived from through this man named Abraham in the Old Testament. 
where God appeared to him and promised to give him a son and to bless all the peoples of the earth through his offspring. Listen to this. The Bible says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now listen to this. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Here's the reality. Whenever God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to bless all the peoples on the earth through you, and it's going to come through your direct offspring, Abraham was 75 years old in that time. Sarah was just a little bit younger. They looked at each other and said, how in the world is this ever going to happen? And all of a sudden, there's a divine persuasion that begins to instill itself into the heart of Abraham. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but listen to this, was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. How many of you have ever wrestled in your faith before? Then listen, you know what you do? You come back before God and you surrender yourself to him. Listen, you may not understand it all. You may not know how it's going to work out in the natural. You may not know how the promise is going to come to pass. You may not know how the answer to prayer is going to come. But you surrender yourself to the trustworthiness of God. And guess what? Through the Holy Spirit, there is a divine persuasion that rises up on the inside of you. And you become fully persuaded that God is able to do what he said he's able to do. That there is this journey of faith that we're on. It's not over yet. You know what? I want to be one of those believers who says, Jesus, regardless of what happens in this world, my faith is not over yet. In fact, I believe more than I've ever believed before. I am more confident than I've ever been before. I believe and I have a faith within me that is mature and seasoned and is prepared for the day and time in which I'm living in. I'm not caught off guard. Lord Jesus Christ, when you come back, may you find the divine persuasion of God in my life. You are who you say you are, and you're able to do everything that you're able to do. You say you're able to do. How many of you would agree that faith is a journey? Enduring faith is a journey. And you see that in the life of Abram and Sarah. I just want to outline, and this won't take long, but the reason why I wanted to set it up with our worship and the word and witness and basically being Christ followers who are surrendered is because I'm telling you that is the framework by which God is able to build an enduring faith. Here are some others through the life of Abram. An enduring faith is developed through our steps of obedience. Listen, 
Genesis chapter 12, Then the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. But I want you to capture something. In Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that Abram's father, Terah, took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of Abram, and they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans for the land of Canaan. But when they arrived in Haran, they settled right there. So God gives this promise to Abram. He says, I want you to go to Canaan. And guess what? His father, Terah, starts that journey, and they settle instead in a place called Haran. That may be too early in the morning for you to understand all the geography here, but let me just give it to you this way. They stopped halfway. They were set out to go all the way to what would become the promised land. Yet Terah, Abram's dad, stopped halfway in a place called Haran. Why? Because he had a son named Haran who died. And he came to this community, and he named it Haran, and he settled right there. Let me go ahead and put it to you this way. He settled in the land of his loss. He settled in the land of his loss. In other words, you know what Abraham was up against? He was up against the lids and the limitations of his past. And he had to make a decision to break free from the land of loss to get all the way into the promised land. Can I just remind you this morning that your past does not have to dictate your future? And can I remind you that you, listen, are not bound to the limitations of your earthly father, but you now have the DNA of Jesus Christ in your blood, and he is able to take you far beyond where your earthly daddy stopped. It reminds me of the story of growing up in an alcoholic home. I've shared this before where a professional counselor puts her hand in my hand and bets me. She was not doing reverse psychology. She bet me at 11 years old because your mama drinks, your daddy drinks, your, your, your grandma drinks, your grandfather drinks, your dog drinks, your cat drinks, your fish drinks. You come from a long line of alcoholics. You're, you need to prepare yourself for an alcoholic lifestyle. That's the limitation that you're earthly DNA has given you. She just did not realize at 17 years old, I would give my life to Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ, listen, would become another DNA for me that would get me beyond the land of Haran into the land of Canaan. And I'm telling you, your heavenly father knows how to get you all the way. And for some of us, we are wrestling against the lid of the sins of the forefathers. And God says, enough is enough. I've called you not to settle. I've called to get you all the way into the promise that I have called you out for. Man, I just let that settle in you. Don't don't settle. Don't settle. Number two, an enduring faith. You're taking notes is produced in the waiting room. 
Look at it, Genesis chapter 12. So Abram departed as the Lord had directed him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. How old was he? 75. Guess how old he was whenever Isaac was born? 100. Waited 25 years for the promise to come to pass. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever waited? 25 years. I get impatient when the person in front of me at the red light doesn't go when the light turns green. I will beep at them. My wife all the time, Michael, Michael. I'm like, they don't know I'm a preacher. Beep. But I've noticed this. Sometimes God does his best work over time. And some of us need to stop treating time like it's a four-letter word. Okay, it is. But we treat this thing called time like it is a curse. And in the hands of God, time can be one of the greatest blessings. Because I'm going to tell you, in the waiting room called time, it is where you are seasoned in your faith. We think it's all about the promise. We think it's all about what God said. We think it's all about the journey that he's wanting to get us to, to Canaan. No, no, no. You know what it is? It's about me. It's about me developing into the man of God that God has called me to be. It is about my manhood. And listen to me, your character is far greater than the calling. Do you hear me this morning? And God, in this thing called time, in this waiting room called time, he seasons believers. Have you ever been around a seasoned believer that you are panicked and you're worried and you're stressed and you come to that dear saint of God weeping and crying and they look at you and go, it'll be okay, honey. And you go, that is not what I needed to hear. It'll be okay. You know what they're saying? I've been seasoned in my faith. I've been seasoned. I've seen God be faithful in circumstances like you're bringing right now. I've seen God walk other people through it. I know where God has brought me from. It's going to be okay. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to form and fashion a faith in you so that one day you look at somebody else and say, honey, don't worry. It's going to be okay. God's got you. He's faithful. He walked me through. He got me out of Haran into Canaan. And if God can do it for me, I'm just telling you, It's going to be okay. He seasons you through this thing called time so that eventually you can seize the season. Enduring faith is formed in this waiting room called time. Like it or not. How many of you, like me, tend to be pretty impatient? These have come, James says, so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proven and show itself to be productive. That as we are in the crucible called time and trials and tests come, guess what happens? The faith that I have becomes proven and it also turns into a productive faith. That's what God does in the waiting room.
to wait well. And enduring faith is produced through our walk up the mountain. Then God said, just part of the journey, the promise finally comes to pass. 25 years passed and Isaac is born. The name Isaac means laughter. And God says, take your son, your only son, whose name means laughter, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. That escalated quickly. Like, we just circled back to like, am I trying to discourage you now? No. I'm just saying this. Listen, how does the test of faith flesh out in a season like we are in right now? I'll tell you. Is God going to call me to sacrifice something specific? Maybe. But let me tell you where it really happens. As we're in the middle of this cultural shift that is taking place before our very eyes. Listen to me. What is going to be tested is our loyalty to the lordship of Jesus. That is what's going to come down, church. I'm telling you right now. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of our life? It will come in subtle ways through culture. It will come through ways of Policy that is instituted, it will come through ways that are blaring in ways that we go, wait a minute, what? But at the centerpiece of it all will be, is Jesus Christ our Lord? And I just want to tell you right now that Jesus Christ is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that there is nothing to come between me and him. I went through a season where, listen, I believe the promises that God had spoken to me had actually started taking place of his lordship in my life. And it was a baby that God called me to lay down, that not even his promises come above his lordship in my life. That would have been a good place for you to at least whisper an amen. Number four, an enduring faith is produced through our trust in God's faithfulness in our future. How many of you would say God's been faithful to you in your past? How many of you would say God's been faithful to you right now? Give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His love and mercy and his faithfulness endureth forever. Can I just remind you? that we serve a God whose faithfulness is going to endure through this test of time. It's who he is. Listen to how Abraham's life ended. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 25. Now get this in verses 7 through 8. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. You know what I think about when I think about the end of the story? I think about Psalm 37, 25. Abraham could say this. David said this. Moses would say this. The apostle Paul would say this. 
I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. I'm going to tell you, the faithfulness of my God, it endures through the very end. So, Lord, when you come back, find faith within me. Jude chapter 1. I've been getting real interested in the book of Revelation, but I'm really glad for the book of Jude. (laughs) Right before all the visions and all the things that we have to discern and what they mean, listen to this, Jude 1.24, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Worship team, coming back. How many of you would declare the song of the Lord, great is thy faithfulness? How many of you would say, Lord, in this season, keep my heart soft so that you can deposit within me divine persuasion? I am divinely persuaded that God is going to show himself to be faithful and true to the church of Jesus Christ in the day and time in which we're living in. I don't have to manufacture my faith. I don't have to make it up. All I have to do is put myself before the Lord, and the Spirit of God quickens faith in me for this season. How many of you believe it's not over yet? How many of you would also believe? It's not over yet. <laughs> Staying with me, would you? His bowed and eyes shut all across this. We're going to go back into this song just for five or six more minutes. Pastor Jason's going to come in just a moment and give those of you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those of you that are here in person, those of you that are watching online, that you will have the opportunity to respond to the Spirit of God that is moving on your life right now, inviting you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So we're going to sing through this song, and then you're going to have that opportunity to pray a prayer of commitment in just a moment. But before we pray that prayer, let me ask those of you that are Christians, How many of you would say, I'm in the waiting room right now, raise your hand. How many of you would say, I'm still believing God to fulfill his word to me in some way? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you would also be honest and say, I've been weary in my faith, and I need the Spirit of God to come upon me and to strengthen me with divine persuasion? Raise your hand if that's you. Come on, lift your other hand to the Lord right now. Would you just surrender to him? Just surrender. I just keep hearing that word. Just surrender. Just let the Spirit of God come upon you and convince you again of God's faithfulness, his timing, his truth, his mercy, and his love that endureth forever. Allow the Spirit of God to just have his way in your life right now to quicken